Hey guys, welcome to the Next Level Agents Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner and co-host, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast all about getting to the next level. Sometimes we talk to real estate agents, sometimes brokers, sometimes people just in and around our space, and sometimes just entrepreneurs in general. But our point here is to talk to the brightest and the best and to pull gold nuggets out of them and bring them to you so that way you can take little actionable pieces of advice, sometimes big actionable pieces of advice and make your business even better and help you get to the next level. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, go over to ratethispodcast.com, ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA, stands for Next Level Agents, and please leave us a five-star review if you have not already. All right, without further ado, welcome to today's episode. All right, guys, we are back on the Next Level Agents podcast. I'm excited for this one. For those of you, for like the seven of you that follow me on Instagram, you saw how excited I was the other night about recording this because I posted it. Um, Chris, I go. Chris, how are you doing today, buddy? If I was doing any better, I would be you. <laughs> oh, that's a good line. Uh, I might have to <laughs> borrow that one of these days. Um, so, Chris, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to set this up for the audience because you and I really actually just met in person for the first time um, like a month ago, uh, though yep. we've known of each other, got connected through mutual industry friend probably five years ago. I uh, actually went back and found an old Facebook message to verify that. Uh, through a, It was a friend of mine and a team member of yours. Uh, I think his name was Joe. At any rate, we've sort of just stayed quasi in touch. You you took our invitation to come out and join us at NLA Live last month, not because of our invitation, but because of Pace Morby was there and a couple, probably a couple of the other great speakers, I'm sure, had a little something to do with it, but definitely Pace tipped the tipped the scales for us. And that was the first time we got to talk in person, man. Uh, and I learned so much about you just hanging out that first night at our like happy hour reception at, that I'm excited for our audience to get to know you a little bit. So first, dude, this is very unusual for me, but I want to start with the Wolf of Wall Street. When I when I say that, <laughs> what's your response? Well, first of all, before I get into Wolf of Wall Street, I think you undersold your uh, loose connection with me since our first meeting, because anybody who um, I suspect knows you or has experienced your follow up, um, it is definitely not a loose um, follow-up process. You are relentless and you, for years, just led with value. So I'm happy to uh, to repay the favor in any way I can. So I'm happy to tell tell my Wolf of Wall Street story. So um, prior to becoming a uh, real estate agent or getting in the real estate space, I was a stockbroker for 20 years. And when I first started in the brokerage industry in Boca Raton, Florida. It's a very small niche community. I was a young kid. I did not know, I was <laughs> I was certainly not seasoned. I certainly wasn't very experienced. Um, you know, the stock brokerage world, the financial markets, all that kind of stuff was basically like me learning Chinese. But what I learned very quickly is that this small niche industry in Boca Raton was essentially, if you were an all-star on the phone, you would get recruited very quickly by some of these other firms. And what I didn't know is most of them were either owned by the mob, were the mob, or had some loose affiliation with the mob. 
But I didn't know any of that at the time. I just saw there were young guys making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month and or millions of dollars a month. And I was completely all in into whatever it was that they were doing um, up until I figured out that what they were doing was illegal. But I didn't do any of those bad things. Um, But I ended up working at a firm which was... Before I got licensed, it was as I was studying to get my Series 7. But long story short, it was the protégés of Jordan Belfort that had worked with him at um, Stratton Oakmont. Well, I get my license. Um, I, I passed my Series 7. I'm super fired up. I can't wait to get my – I assumed they were just going to hand me a million-dollar check immediately. Didn't work out that way. But um, as I'm rushing back to the office – Uh, I come to find out that the firm has been raided. The FBI is in there. The SEC is like just it's a mob scene, literally and figuratively. But it turns out that the stock that they were pushing was written up in Business Week as the mob on Wall Street. And it was this penny stock that they had manipulated and all kinds of things that, thank God, I didn't know anything about or have my license to get myself in trouble with. So I left that firm and went to another firm, which was um, owned by John Madden, not the football player, the um, the brokerage owner, but his brother was Steve Madden of Steve Madden Shoes, which Steve Madden Shoes went public back in, I don't know if it was the early 2000s or the late 90s. My timeline's a little bit uh, hazy these days, but the big, the value proposition of this brokerage that wanted me to come work there was, we're going to get some of this IPO. We're going to get some of uh, this shoe deal. And I didn't know anything. I just knew that, you know, I had heard, I didn't know who Steve Madden was. I wasn't into shoes. And Steve Madden back then was not what it is now. <laughs> but the one who came into the office to do the dog and pony show for the, uh, for the deal was Jordan Belfort. And so I had heard of him and his legend. He was never called the Wolf of Wall Street back then, but his reputation preceded him. Like this guy, I expected him to be 10 foot tall. I expected him to be bulletproof. I expected him to be, I don't know, just, I don't know, money just falling off of him in every direction. Um, but when he walked in, he can't, I, I was so unimpressed. I hate to say it, but he, he walked in and I'm like, this is the guy. I'm like, inch high private eye, are you kidding me? And so I was not particularly impressed with um, with his presentation or what he rolled out. But I also, you know, hindsight being 2020, and he's talked a lot about this in other places, he was completely whacked out of his mind. And so I'm sure that wasn't the best version of him while he was there. He was, uh, you know, he was coming in and having a, a party, but... The deal did go public. It, the Steve Madden stock uh, skyrocketed. And was, I think Steve Madden is, if he hasn't made, uh, I don't know if he's a billionaire, but certainly hundreds of millions. He, he's done quite well. Jordan seems to have done quite well. He was just on Tucker Carlson. So there's an open invite to uh, Jordan anytime he wants to uh, link back up and get on the uh, podcast. It's awesome. Um all right, dude. So now I'm going to fast forward a little bit. You you sell real estate and here's where this is what caught me. And when we were standing around talking uh, last month was for a long time, I, I had viewed you as cold caller. 
right? And uh, you had you had started a group, obviously, um, cold calling was sounds like it was in your blood, you know, from from the stock days. You probably you've probably dialed the phone a few times in your career. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot away from cold calling in a minute, but talk to me first about getting your real estate career started. Like, w- was it cold calls right away, and was it just because that's what you knew from from your stockbroker days, or is it something different? Tell me about that and how how did it help? Well, I wish that that was the the actual start of my uh, career, but that's that's not how it started at all. So. When I got out of the financial services industry, it happened to be right around the time that um, we were having our first daughter. And so a lot of life changes were happening all at once. And the the firm that I was at at the time, you're going to pick up on a thread here, was also investigated um, by the SEC and FINRA and all of these regulatory uh, organizations, but not because we had done anything uh, improper. One of the franchise offices for this company was running a Ponzi scheme out of like Idaho. And so we had no knowledge of that. We didn't know any of that. So they came into the office and you have to understand, I had been doing this now at that firm for probably 10 years. I had a massive team. I had the corner glass office. I thought that's what I was going to do forever. And I just had a money machine rolling in. That's, that's what my game plan was for the rest of my life. Or at least so I thought. But the auditors came in and they did a six-month investigation. They, um, At the end of it, they said, you know what, guys? Congratulations. You've done nothing wrong. You are not in trouble. However, you can no longer make outbound phone calls and you, can never lo- you cannot sell stocks anymore. You can only sell insurance products, which that's great. Uh, sounds to me like we're out of business. So, um, but they didn't, they didn't phrase it that way. So I was the only one who got the memo that we're out of business. So I left and I looked at it as divine intervention. I kind of knew that I needed a a restart in a different industry. Like it wasn't really going to align with me being a good father or husband. So for me, it was just the right time. So I got into real estate and I started with, um, you know, Thankfully, I had some money saved up, but I was making a significant, I mean, I was making multiple, a bad year for me in that industry was 300 grand. So that's where I thought I was going to be forever. And now it's zero. So I was somewhat terrified of starting in a new industry. I was somewhat terrified that I wasn't going to make money ever again. I was somewhat brainwashed that that was the only thing that I could do. And so as I'm holding my infant daughter on my chest, I'm watching television and um, I watch Million Dollar Agent or whatever the name of the show is. And I see, oh, look at these guys. This seems easy enough. I'm going to do that. So I get my real estate license and I was fragile. So that version of me was not the version of me that you've met or you've seen or you've seen on anybody's experience anytime recently. I was starting to get more and more terrified. So the more research that I did, the more I found that everybody says, don't question, find a model that works, find a mentor who's uh, got a, a business that's thriving, and then just do exactly what they do. They're willing to teach you whatever it is that they're doing. Just follow that 100%. Don't ask questions. Don't do, don't try to figure something new out. Do what they say. 
And so blindly, that's exactly what I did for the first almost year of my uh, real estate journey, which also had me at the end of a year ready to kill myself and quit the business. <laughs> um, so what he was doing and what was working for him definitely was not working for me. I did not want that business. I did not want those clients. I did not want that product. I did not want anything to do with what he was doing. And then I went out and started to find different mentors, different coaches, different um, information. And while I was out at a uh, GSD event with uh, Joshua Smith at his mastermind, I did a role play session with somebody live in front of the group. And it was uh, just a cold call role play kind of thing in front of the group. And I destroyed this guy. I had the eureka moment where I was like, oh, I should probably be doing this every day on the phones. So when I came home, that's exactly what I did. I started to, I bought all the things. So I got the Vulcan 7, I got the Mojo triple line dialer, and I made a commitment to some people that were out there that I would do it live in a Facebook group. So it started with me and two people that I had met at that event. Um, they never really did anything in the room. I did it every day. And I think there's something like... 9,000 uh, people that are currently in that group. I have not been active in there in a while or for a while, but I mean, they watched me go from zero production to 10 million, 15 million, and just, just from live cold calls. And I, I want to point something out real quick for the listeners, Chris. Um, you, the, that first mentor that you had that, you know, just who you went and followed around and, and you learned that it wasn't your business. The great thing about this industry is you can do that. You can just copy somebody and you're going to get some, you're going to get results to a varying degree. The problem is it might not be the best results for you. And there's a lot of different ways. What I've found or what I believe is that a good mentor will, will do what he did. Like will literally open the playbook for you and say, do this exactly this, follow me around. I think a great mentor though, will take the time to ask more questions and find out whether or not those are the activities you should be doing because they don't really line up with who you are as a person and what you want to do. And so you did have a good mentor. I just think a great mentor would have asked you more questions. So you didn't have to spend that whole year because the reality is whether we're talking about cold calls, YouTube, social media, fill in the blank door knocking, all of that stuff, they all, all of it works. It all works. I was, everything works. Nothing doesn't. Yep. So, you know, wh whatever you are, I, I've said this before, you may have heard me say it, but I think everyone has their own unique superpower and I don't know what it is for everybody, you know, but, but they do. So figure out what it is that it, the, what your superpower is and then play to your strengths and go consistently hammer that one thing up until you have so much success that you can then do something else. Yes. Um, hundred percent. I just want, I wanted to take a second there because you learned that lesson and I, I just, I see that happen so much. There's a lot of good people that are willing to be mentors and teach people, but then they're frustrated when the other person, the mentee won't do it like that. Where it be, and sometimes it's because they're lazy. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes it's because like, that's not what they want. And I'm just glad that you figured that out. So sorry to interrupt your your story there, but I, I wanted to just interject that for a second. Yeah, no, I mean, not one size doesn't fit all, right? And so 
I think the advice that I got from everyone early on when I was, you know, finding my path was to blindly follow something that's working because that version of me today, I guess I've grown out of that. I would never do that. I mean, I would start questioning a lot, a lot quicker. Um, but, but you kind of know it's a return on energy. Are you getting that return on energy? Are you getting, um, are you validating, um, the things that you're doing, because if you're getting momentum and if you're starting, if you're consistently doing the work, you should be generating results um, fairly quickly. You should. Absolutely. You absolutely should. And if you're not, well, we don't, we don't have to dissect it totally. I want to, I want to hear more of your story because it's, it's fucking fascinating. Um, <laughs> okay. so, but you and I could probably, we could dissect that for an hour or two. So let's tell me this. So at the end of that year, which as you said, was like, dude, shit, this is not for me. And then you have this realization at the GSD event and you start this calling room. And so you're, you're sort of making calls publicly. What started to happen to your business? Oh, my business exploded. Um, so very quickly I be, and what was interesting is not only did my business explode, I mean, my influence in the industry started to explode, which was a byproduct that I was not even thinking about looking for any of those things, but very quickly, um, other people recognized that I had a talent and wanted help. So that room started a, um, a series of different, uh, coaching, um, masterminds where I would go out, train different brokerages to do a, we would do like an in-person bootcamp event and I'd get people on the phones, make calls with them. And people who had never been on the phone before or a brokerage that had never been on the phone before would go from like no appointments in a day to like 60. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is magic. Well, no, it's not magic. It's knowing the words to say and it's getting on the phone and actually pounding the phone. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but again, that was a byproduct that I never was looking for, never expected. And that was the trend I was on up until... Uh, the pandemic happened, and then that's when my YouTube uh, obsession <laughs> began. Do do me a favor. I, we'll dive into the YouTube in a second. I want to I want to camp out there for a minute because, um, it, again, I think your story is so fascinating. But up to the uh, up until then, so you're you're heavy on the calls. Um, tell me about your business. Like, give me an idea: units, volume. Did you have a team? Um, or was it just you just, just pounding away and doing deals? Like, give me, give me that idea. Cause you had such a drastic shift. Uh, like I want us to set the stage for, for, for the, for the next, for the next, you know, chapter of the story. Yeah. So my first year in real estate, I think I made something like $25,000, um, something like that. And it wasn't a full year. It was, you know, half a year from when I started or whatever. But if you're used to getting um, somewhere between thirty to $50,000 a month, and then you make $24,000 in a year, you want to kill yourself. So um, that's, that's where I was at. When I got on the phone very quickly, um, literally the first day of me making dials, I set an appointment within like three dials. So immediately I was like, oh shit, this works and I'm really good at it. Um, I'm going to make more dials. 
So I talk about I have a uh, YouTube addiction now. Well, at the time, I had a cold calling addiction. And I knew that I could set appointments essentially at will. And if you're calling FISBOs, if you can't set an appointment, then there's obviously there's something wrong because these people desperately want you to come over and, and talk to them. They want to be sold or they not they want to be sold. They want your services. They just don't know it yet. So found I was really good at that. But that translated into that next year. I and again, my memories, I think I have CTE, too much contact sports, too much football when I was younger. Um, but ballpark figure, I think that second year was something like 12 to 15 million, but it was just off of cold calls. So from there, it was also the awareness of, okay, I can't go on all these appointments. I can't do all of these things. And that's when I started to build out a little bit of a team and, um, and get some more help, leverage my time a little bit better. And that trends into right around when the pandemic was. Okay. So you, you've built a good business at this point uh, on, on cold calls. What I'm trying to say is like you, YouTube and generating business through creating content and making cold calls are drastically different. So, all right. So go back to where you were a minute ago. It, it's the pandemic hits. Well, so one of the things that I did with content as concurrently as I was doing the calls is the first few appointments that you go on as you know, when you're brand new, you're, you're completely going into a, uh, uh, a war zone. The people don't like you. They don't trust you. They're getting pounded by a hundred other people for an appointment. I was calling expires. So these people are not exactly warm and fuzzy when you go and meet them. Their guard is up. They may not trust you. They may not like you. It's typically an uphill battle. So I knew with the high volume of calls I was making, it would be important for me to have content out on every platform. So I didn't know what I was doing on YouTube, but I put out tons of content on YouTube, which just had no rhyme or reason. I knew that if somebody I was calling uh, was interested in me or going setting an appointment with me, it was very likely that they were going to Google me. And if they did Google me, I wanted them to see I'm a human being, yet I wanted them to know me, like me, trust me. And so my content strategy back then was shotgun blast everywhere. Um, no real rhyme or reason. It wasn't like I was, I didn't know anything about the algorithms or any of that stuff. I just knew if somebody was going to hire me through a cold call, they would probably Google me and I wanted them to see that I was real. So the initial, and I don't know if it was like six months or whatever it was, but the infancy stages of my cold calling career was challenging because it was an uphill battle. And then at some point, and I, I'll never forget the exact appointment, I walk into a house and the husband answers the door and he's like, Chris, you're here. Can I get you a beer? Can it like, couldn't have been any nicer. It was like we were friends and he was rolling out the red carpet, but it was because he had found some of my other content. Um, and it wasn't, I was a stranger. It was, Oh, this is the nice guy that, that specializes in the, in finding the one buyer on planet earth willing to uh, pay more than anybody else. So it was a game changer and it worked. 100% it worked. I'll, I'll never forget 
Fred and I started filming videos in 2009 for, it wasn't for YouTube at the time we viewed YouTube as just the only place we could put the videos to then push to a blog for like long tail SEO. And we were creating content for real estate agents, uh, teaching them how to do short sales. And then a couple of weeks in, I started getting calls from like these, we just got random calls from prospects because we were getting referrals and we, we were some of the only guys that could, could get short sales closed. But I remember I got this call and this lady was like, oh yeah, I saw your video on YouTube. And my first thought was, oh shit, I intended that for another agent. And then it happened again and it happened again. And then, then we realized like, oh my gosh, there's consumers out there watching this too. And we, then we started creating consumer facing videos too. But nonetheless, it did, it created this authority. Number one, it created authority, but it also created this like, that they saw us as an expert but also as a person that they knew. So like it was always almost just a formality to sign paperwork by that point. By the time they called us, it yeah. was really a formality. Yep. So the quality of the relationships, and these are with strangers, by the time they reach out to me, they are, there's, there's zero resistance on anything. They're ready to go. So the best, thing anybody could do out there in any industry that there is, is build up their own brand on YouTube. Point blank, right? That's it. <laughs> Period. That's the book. <laughs> that is uh, going to be nineteen ninety nine. everyone. Please, right. please mail us a, a cashier's check or money order. Yeah, yeah I'll uh, send you my cell. <laughs> we go maybe we should do it more modern so but like let's dig into this because dude you it's not like you just started making videos and all of a sudden you like you know a lot like i want to hear about like how did you learn how did you learn so much tell like tell me about how you went from i know what youtube is i can post some videos and they're getting some traction to not like now i think of you as you probably know more than anybody I personally know about YouTube is my hunch. Um, I'm sure there's plenty, you know, there's obviously a lot of people out there. You haven't beat Mr. Beast yet, but maybe that just will take another year <laughs> or so. Um, oh, that would be wonderful. Your how, mouth like, to God's ears. What was that process like in really, I'll say figuring it out. Like we know you put 20 years into being on the phone and, but it hasn't been 20 years yet for YouTube, but you have put a lot of time in, right? Yeah. So one of the main things, so again, I started on YouTube. I went everywhere on social media. I was on every platform and I still probably am, but all of my emphasis is really on YouTube. Um, the way that the timeline and the progression of that looks like this. When I started, it was everywhere. And very slowly, um, I started to see the, um, the numbers just uptick. So YouTube is a platform that can be analyzed and measured and tracked and broken down. Every piece of content can be broken down and studied, um, period. That's full stop. And that's what Mr. Beast is an expert at, right? Young kid, when he started, learned YouTube at the highest level, invested all of his life for a decade or more, um, just figuring out YouTube, horrible videos, horrible everything. And then after he figured out how the algorithm works, 
Now he's a billionaire or has got multiple billion dollar valuations on multiple different uh, businesses because he's built an audience that's massive, that knows him, likes him, trusts him and wants to buy from him. So none of that is there on that yet, but I'm slowly getting to that point. So there are certainly other bigger channels out there. But what I've become, I think, an expert at is seeing YouTube as a top of the sales funnel, right? So I wasn't doing that at first. I was just putting out content anywhere. And as the, as the pandemic hit, I knew there were people that were out there that, had, that were in this niche of real estate that had bigger channels. So I studied them. And then again, the world shuts down, everything gets under lockdown, quarantine, people are losing their mind, people are taking a vacation. I committed to myself and to my family at the time. I'm like, I'm locking myself in my office. I don't want to be disturbed whatsoever. I'm not leaving this office until I figure out how to do YouTube the right way. And everybody thought I was crazy, but like, I'm a maniac, you know that already. <laughs> um, you asked me to look at your channel and I gave you an hour and a half review on it. So that was, that's, that's how psychotic I am about these things. So that's what I did 24 seven for probably a solid two, three weeks. I was locked in that room. I didn't, I made a commitment. I wouldn't shave until I had figured it out. I wouldn't shower until I figured it out. I was disgusting. I mean, I really was not uh, very pleasant to be around at this point, but it was so bad that like I was dreaming YouTube. I was getting almost no sleep, but I would dream about YouTube. I would dream about different things I had learned throughout the course of the day. And then creatively, I guess while I was sleeping, my mind would figure out the next thing. And then I would go, I'd wake up and try it. But that process for me was, okay, let's see who's out there. Let's hire the people that, that are coaching in the space. And I hired some of who I thought were experts in the space. Turns out I was wrong, but I didn't know that at the time. Um, that even the most, um, the, there's, so there's all types of different coaching um, platforms out there. Some of them are for editing. Some of them are for YouTube uh, niche specific I mean, there's all kinds of different things that you can buy. I didn't understand any of them. I didn't speak the language of YouTube whatsoever. So even though I bought different coaching platforms and packages, when we got into like this first module and they started talking the language of YouTube, I didn't know what they were talking about. So I had to go back to, I think it was Udemy and find the most basic YouTube class I could find and go from there. So I, I had to start from the beginning. So you, YouTube for idiots, class one, I took that. Started to understand the language, started to understand some of the techniques or words they were using. And then after I understood the language, I could go back and take some of the coaching platforms that are out there. But it was trial and error. And I would use uh, one software or software editing package up until I realized it didn't have what I want. Then I would, but I would learn it. And then I would find the new one and then learn that it didn't have everything I wanted. I'd learn the next one. I mean, this was trial and error nonstop for, I don't know, about three weeks. But at the end of three weeks, I came, I opened the door and revealed myself to the family. I'm like, I have figured it out. I know what to do now. 
And so I did exactly that. I, I, three weeks of just intense psychopath, like, I guess I've never been in a software startup, but I hear the stories of how like Mark Zuckerberg and his boys were just like they nonstop relentless for years. Well, that's how I was by myself for a few weeks. <clears throat> but at the end of it, when I figured it out, I then committed, I'm going to do this um, at least three times a week. Um, and a lot, most of the time I did it more than three times a week, but I was committed to putting out videos as consistently as I possibly could. And I knew because there were people out there having success in generating leads through YouTube that if they could do it, I could do it and it would just take time. What I've also found is most of the gurus that are in the space lie about their numbers. So I've heard lots of people say things like, I started my YouTube channel and in you know two weeks, I've got 100 clients. Well, maybe that's true. It's definitely not my experience. It took me 10 months of at minimum of three videos a week, many times a lot more than that. And 10 months is a long time. Well, 10 I want to point out too, it's not like you were a total beginner. You had already spent three weeks of virtually 24 seven all in on figuring this out. So I want to, you know, I hate that stuff too. Oh, it's my first video. And I got a hundred, I got 10 clients. You can do it too. Just send me 500 bucks or nine, right. nine ninety-nine. I hate that shit. Um, and so I, I just want to point that out. Cause like, you weren't just like a beginner, like your typical beginner, you were a very, very well-educated beginner and it still took you 10 months of consistency. Like every, turns out everything, I found worth having requires some consistency and hard work. Maybe that's just my limiting belief. No, no, you're hundred percent right. That's, that's my experience too. So um, what I learned, so it took me 10 months and I'll never forget the call. The first call that came in, that was an actual lead. I was driving, I was by myself and the, the cell phone rings, I pick it up and they're like, Chris, I'm like, yes. They're like, oh my God, you answered the phone. We can't believe it. We've been watching your videos and we want to hire you. And like, they were so excited and they're telling, you're a celebrity. You have no idea. Me and my wife watch you and we get the popcorn and we watch your show. And he was just going off. I mean, he was so excited and I'm listening to it and I'm saying to myself, I'm definitely being punked. Like I'm looking around and like, did my wife put somebody up to this? Like, there's no way this is real because it was so over the top. Um, but it was real. And so from there, the phone hasn't stopped. So it's just a continuous top of the sales funnel. And I could talk about that forever and I won't do that right now, but yeah, it's, um, it does take time. The one thing that I think anybody who's listened this far should know, and here's a, a golden nugget for you guys. Almost everybody coaching um, YouTube right now doesn't have a fucking clue what they're talking about. And I'm saying that very specifically. If you have living in your title, I would venture to guess you have no clue about YouTube whatsoever. And the reason for that is SEO does not work. Um, many of the things that used to work on YouTube have been obsolete for a very long time. The only thing that matters as far as YouTube is concerned is pleasing its audience. And, and so what that means 
is you have to start to think about your ideal customer. This is for real estate only, obviously, right? But who do you want to get your video in front of? What do they, who are they? Like you must be very, very intentional about who those people are and or who you want to be in front of. So I got very, very, very specific about who my avatar is. And it was, you know, it was a progression, right? At first, I had no idea. I, I didn't know how the algorithm worked. Now, all I do is study the algorithm. Now, all I do is test different things. But I want to have my videos in front of somebody who's got the ability to stroke a check for a million dollars or more to buy a house without having to think about anything here in South Florida. Um, so I, but it took me some trial and error. My first few videos in that 10 week period were of lower price point homes. And they were of lower price. And when I say lower, it's relative terms, right? But like I was, I was showcasing, well, this is before the market went bananas, um, but I'm showcasing a half a million dollar home and I'm getting half a million dollar buyers. Well, why would I do that if I could just talk about million dollar homes or $10 million homes and appeal to that audience? So I, but that was a progression. So I learned I had to speak the language of the avatar and study that amount such a high level that I knew that they would respond to the topics that I was talking about. And so for me, the competitive advantage is I was a stockbroker for 20 years. I know what someone um, who's got a high net worth and likes to play the stock market, I know the language they speak. I know what they're into. They're very similar to me in many ways. So for me, and it was actually a client who was had a listing with me, and this is kind of funny. He worked for Amazon. I had his house listed. I didn't, and I've been friends with him for a while, but he works for Amazon and Amazon stock was getting decimated at the time. And he would call me and like, I found myself having these phone calls that were like, Stockbroker phone calls. Chris, Amazon stock is down. I don't know what I'm going to do. Should I sell everything? Should I buy something out? What do I do here? And like he's asking me these stockbrokers questions. And then he's asking me about the housing market. So I found myself having these like in depth conversations with somebody who's very aggressive, um, very similar to me. But at the end of it, he's like, Chris, why don't you talk about any of this stuff in your videos? And I'm like, well, nobody cares. He's like, no, 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 Chris, this is the only thing anybody cares about. That's what you need to talk about. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, oh, shit, he's right. So as soon as we got off the phone, I flipped the phone around and started making a video. <laughs> From there, I knew how to hook people a little bit differently, speaking their language and getting them to click on and you know work through my, my process and my funnel. Yeah, you're really clear on who you're ideal client is who your ideal customer is and that's who you're that's who you create content for you know that other people are going to see it but you're creating content for that guy that girl that's going to call you that your that is your ideal audience your ideal customer right a hundred percent yeah 
And as it, it gets a little bit more nuanced because as my channel has grown, I've realized that 90% of my subscribers um, are probably never going to buy a house. They're probably never going to um, call me for anything. In fact, what I've really found is much of the growth from that subscriber base is really because I'm giving them what they want, which is bad news. So they kind of hate me. And so when I say that, I say it with kind of like in jest, but like they love to hate me. So cool. I'm going to use that to help grow the channel and get more subscribers and get more reach. But I'm hooking them with fear. I'm delivering for them what they want, which is me leading with the fear and the doom and the what's the end of the world or whatever it is. And then if they make it past the beginning of the, you know, I don't know, two minutes, three minutes, I tell them the truth. So oh, the, sky, the, the market's on fire. It's the end of the world. And then here's what's really happening month over month in my market. We've had 30% appreciation, um, you know, in these four cities or whatever the truth is. But I lead with fear. I hook them with something that's going to create an emotional response. And then I tell them the truth. But 10% of, of my, actually, it's very hard to, to track because many of the people who actually hire me never subscribe. They never like, they never comment. They just call. So it's not a perfect science yet for me, but it's profitable. Here's the deal though. Whether this con, this is a content game. You, your platform happens to be YouTube. Um, and I say this all the time when people start talking about their Facebook audience or their Instagram audience or TikTok or whatever. What I, Chris, you're, you are counting the right thing, which is how many transactions am I doing because of this? And most people get caught up in these vanity metrics of how many how many comments, how many views, subscriptions, and stuff like that did I get on my channel or on this video, you know, or on this platform? They're like, yeah, I got so many followers, you know, 100,000 followers. 100,000 followers doesn't mean shit if none of them are buying and selling real estate with you. And so right. what I love is you're very clear on, yeah, these metrics are good and they're growing, blah, blah, blah. But that's not, most of them is not who I'm making money from. It's, it's this very small percentage of them. And, and you're very clear on that. And to me, that's important. And it's probably a big part of your success. Well, you mentioned something which is really important to, to be aware of vanity metrics mean nothing. I don't care about vanity. Would I love to have a billion subscribers or billions of views or hundreds of fill in whatever number you want. Yeah. If they're not going to buy anything from me, then I don't care. It's, it's irrelevant. Yep. And truthfully, I don't think I would even have a YouTube channel if I if it wasn't at the top of the sales funnel. I'd just be on the phones. Yeah, dude, I, I agree. Um, that was a. I hope everyone takes that home. Um, you dropped some really good nuggets today. Um, last question for you: What is there a question? I I, I hate using this, but I'm going to go to it. Is there something I should have asked you that I haven't yet? <laughs> that's a question i use too <laughs> I, try, I hate i try not to use it because i feel like uh, but uh in this case i, f I feel like you know that uh, you you know what you know and i don't i only know part of what you know you know i only so 
So, yeah, well, what I would say is this, anybody who's uh, listening or gotten this far or interested in any of these things, but afraid to start, just understand that that is very common. I felt the exact same way too. And the difference between me and you is I started just start. You don't need fancy equipment. You don't need to spend a lot of money. I'm assuming pretty much everybody who's listening to this or watching it has an iPhone. That's essentially all you really need to get started. Um, start immediately. Just create content. Put it everywhere. Put it on YouTube. I think that's the best platform. But if you're not putting out content that is personal not, and authentic, not the bullshit that everybody else puts out there too, but tell your story. Tell your, be totally authentic. You didn't, don't be fake. Don't, do not be, um, don't go talking about all, nobody cares how many deals you did. Nobody cares about how many, uh, any, nobody cares about you at all. They do care about your story. So if you were to just right now, flip the phone around and just start telling a story about how you helped somebody in this challenging market or something similar to that, that will have resonance, that will attract an audience, that is attractive, and your business will grow. Do one of those every day forever. That's a mic drop right there. Chris Igo, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule, dude. I, I seriously appreciate you. And uh can't wait for everyone to, the, for the four people to watch this on my YouTube channel of my uh, of my subscribers. And uh, luckily a couple people hear it on the audio. So we'll, we'll be okay. Awesome. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys get started immediately and uh, let's dominate. Let's do it. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're looking for even more valuable content and resources to help you grow your business, then we invite you to join our community, Next Level Agents at eXp Realty. By joining us, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits like live trainings, events, masterminds, weekly Zooms, digital downloads, and so much more, all designed to help you grow your business. To learn more and become a part of our community, simply visit kevinandfred.com forward slash contact and get in touch with us today. Of course, if you're not quite ready to take the plunge and join our community, that's no problem at all. You can still access all of our great content for free right here on this podcast. And again, we thank you for listening. We look forward to continuing to bring you valuable insights and more advice in the future.